Good morning, church. Happy Mother's Day. What a beautiful morning the Lord has given us. What a joy to be together. Full house this morning. So just glad to be with you all today. Um, This holiday, of course, is all about thanking the Lord for mothers. But I want to go on record as saying moms deserve more than one day a year. (laughs) Don't they? They're amazing. Um, We're so thankful for the women that God has put in our lives. They care for us. They encourage us. They serve us so selflessly. I think of in today's world how women are just asked to do it all. Women are expected to be everything and do everything. And although none of them are perfect, the Lord uses them in a very powerful way. Uh, So I'm excited for all the Lord has for us in store this morning. I can tell you're all on the edge of your seats. Like, why are all those other people up on the stage? (laughs) These are uh, part of our uh, MCA drama team who are going to help with a dramatic reading of the book of Ruth in a few minutes. We're not quite there yet. Um, I'm guessing that uh, oftentimes, well, I'm not guessing on this part, but uh, when it comes to Mother's Day, a lot of times when we get to church, it's the sermon on Proverbs 31. How many of you have been to church? It's Mother's Day. It's time for Proverbs 31. This is this biblical description of like the, the mom who gets up early and she stays up late and she somehow manages to perfectly balance the buying and the selling and the trading and she cares for others and she cares for family and she's wise and she's strong and she's, she's dignified and she fears the Lord. And I'm just guessing that a lot of times moms sit through Mother's Day sermons and just feel like, I don't measure up. <laughs> like, like, I don't compare to that. That doesn't really seem to describe me. Like, like that biblical ideal kind of seems like a fantasy, kind of seems like a far-off dream of something that I am not. And, and I just wonder if that disconnect then leaves moms feeling like a failure, feeling even more broken. So, in that section of, of Scripture, the Proverbs 31, the description of this, this ideal biblical woman, it starts with, a wife of noble character who can find. A wife of noble character. This is a Hebrew phrase. We're not going to nerd out on it too much, but it's a Hebrew phrase that basically means, or literally means, a woman of strength or a woman of courage. It's actually not specific to a wife. It's not specific to a woman who's married. It can just as appropriately mean a, a grown woman. Um, and did you know that in the Bible, there's only one lady who's referred to as this woman of noble character? Like there's one lady and one lady only. Uh, among the, the hall of fame of, of women in the Bible and the amazing things they've done, only one of them is referred to as this Hebrew phrase of a woman of noble character. And it's Ruth. It's Ruth. And maybe you know her story, maybe you don't, but that's what we're going to hear together today. We're going we're gonna to get into this biblical story of Ruth. And so, as I said, we're going to do things a little differently this morning. Um, we're going to hear the entire book of Ruth uh, as performed, as read by part of our drama team here. And it's a powerful story. And it shows that God can breathe life into a situation that appears lifeless. That God is a God of restoration. That God is a God who can rebuild. He is a God of power. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. We know that from Isaiah 40. It's a message of hope to mothers. And so I do want to speak to moms today. But I believe also in this story, in the book of Ruth, it's also a message of hope to anyone who feels wiped out or weary or like we're not measuring up. And so... Let's start at the very beginning. 
In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, they went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilian. <clears throat> they were Ephraimites from Bethlehem, Judah. They went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, so she was left with her two sons, and they married Moabite women, one named Orpha and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malan and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and without her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud, and they said to her, We will, we go, will go back, back with, with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and they gave birth to sons, are you going to wait till they grow up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this they wept again. Then Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. Go with her. Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where I will go, where you will go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. So it's a story that begins with tragedy after tragedy after a tragedy. A family who goes on a journey hoping for a better life, only to find greater hardship. And it appears that Naomi, this woman whose husband has died and her sons have died, she feels forgotten by God. And then we've got this young Ruth. She's a foreign widow. She's childless, but she's going to shine in this story. She's going to shine as a woman of strength and perseverance. So Naomi really didn't have much going for her. She has reason to be upset. She has reason to be distraught. But I just wonder, even as we see the response of Naomi, was that a slap in the face of Ruth? <laughs> 
Was that a slap in the face? Like, like sometimes in the midst of our struggle, we miss God's provision. And oftentimes it comes in the form of people who love us, people who stick by us. She, she has this person who believes in her, who made this great declaration, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. And yet she says, the Lord has made my life bitter. Now, to be sure, this was, this journey back to Bethlehem in Judah, it was a death sentence for these two women, for Naomi and Ruth. They have no income, they have no land, they have no children or grandchildren who could potentially care for them. They have no hope. Again, the the husband had died, the two sons had died, the ten years in Moab were really hard, and so uh, Naomi (laughs) says, call me Mara, because she is now bitter. But God can redeem any situation. That's what we're going to see as this story unfolds. The, the, the book of Ruth really is silent on why this tragedy befalls this family. Do you know why? Why, why doesn't it say why this happened? It, it doesn't say, and the reason this happened is because of this problem. And they did wrong, and that's why it happened. It doesn't matter because the story is not about what has gone wrong. The story of Ruth is, is about God and his ability to redeem. And it's the same for your life. In your life, it's not about you. And it's not about what you've done wrong, and it's not about how things have gone that have made you bitter. It's not about how you got to where you are. It's about the place that God wants to take you. It's about trusting the redemption waiting for you. It's about trusting in the timing of God. So Ruth, we heard this declaration. She says she wants to go to Israel with Naomi. She would rather be empty-handed. They have nothing, again, death sentence. But she would rather be empty-handed before the Lord than unsatisfied with the gods of Moab, clinging to those things she could have. And God has plans for Ruth and for Naomi. And God has plans for you. It just so happens they arrive back in Bethlehem at the time of the barley harvest. Let's move on to chapter 2 and see what happens. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, and the Lord bless you. Boaz asked the foreman of the harvesters, Whose uh, young woman is that? Oh, she is the Moabitess who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said to me, Please, let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. So she went out into the fields and has been working steadily from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Do not go and glean another field, and do not go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the fields where the men are harvesting, and follow along the other girls. I have told the men not to touch you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this she bowed down with her face to the ground, and she exclaimed, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you have left your father and mother 
and your homeland to come live in a people with a people you do not know before? May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have taken refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. You have given me comfort and have spoken kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servant girls. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come, over here, have some bread, dip it in the wine vinegar. So she sat down with the harvesters, and he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Even if she gathers among the sheaves, do not embarrass her. Rather, pull out some stalks from the bundles and leave them there for her to pick up. Do not rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley that she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over that she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. The man I worked with today is Boaz. The Lord bless him. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. The man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. He even said to me, stay with my workers until they have finished harvesting all my grain. It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with his girls, because someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Ruth is a hard-working woman. <laughs> she gets there in Bethlehem. They have nothing, and she says, I'll just go out and work in the fields. Now, you, you should understand that one of the laws for God's people was that they were not allowed to harvest the entire field. And so for the people of Israel, they knew you leave some of the grain that's at the edges of the field. And the law also stated that as you were harvesting, the bits, the pieces that you dropped that kind of fell to the ground, you were specifically to leave those. Those were for the widows, for the orphans, and for the foreigners. And so they knew this. They knew this was one of the laws for God's people. So she says she's going to go out. She's going to slave in the hot sun. She's going to see what small amount she can scrape up at best working all day in the hot sun. She's probably going to get enough for a small meal for the two of them. And so she goes to the field of Boaz. He's a godly man, and he's going to prove to be a major part of God's story and God's plan here. And so what we, what we heard was Boaz is telling his guys, go ahead and leave some extra for Ruth. And don't mess with her. Don't bother her. Like, but here's the thing. Ruth, working in Boaz's field, just thinks he's a stranger. She does not realize. She, she happened to go into the field of this man. She didn't intentionally go there like, oh, isn't that guy related? She went into a field and it just so happened to be this relative of theirs. God is in control. We see that clearly from this story, that God is in control of every situation. This wasn't a coincidence. Ruth didn't just happen to stumble into the field of Boaz. God was leading her to that place. And we know what the good news of Scripture is from Romans 8, 28, that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Ruth was walking by faith. Ruth chose to worship and serve the God of Israel, the one true living God. And so even though her situation was bleak, the Lord ordered her steps to the perfect place. 
won't you trust that God is going to do the same in your life? So Boaz is treating her with extreme kindness here. He, you know, he not only allows her to gather grain and uh, leaves extra for her, he says she's allowed to drink from his water jars. He says no one is going to mess with her, no one's going to bother her. This is a picture of God's provision. We're going to see that Boaz is really a picture of Christ and the ways that he cares for us and redeems us. Above and beyond all we could ask or imagine. Ruth thought, I'll work hard and get a small, tiny little meal. She was blessed beyond measure. Here, share my water dish. Here, come and join in the feast, just as we shared in the Lord's Supper together today, my friends, with the bread and the cup. That's what he's demonstrating for her, where he says, come and join me. There's bread and cup. Let's commune together. Because God is a God of refuge. He is in control. He cares for those who are weary. We see that playing out here in the life of Ruth and Naomi, and we know that it's true in our lives. Okay, let's continue on and hear what happens in the next part. One day Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be provided for? Is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you have been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know that you're there until he's finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? I am a servant, Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter. Your kindness is greater than which you have showed earlier. You have not run after younger men, wealthier, rich, or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. And my fellow townsmen, know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am near of kin, there are other kinsmen redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night. In the morning, if he wants to redeem, good. Let him redeem. But if he is not willing, I will surely, as the Lord lives, I will do it myself. Lay here until the morning. So Ruth lay at his feet till morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And Boaz said, Don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. Bring me the shawl you were wearing and hold it out. So when she brought the shawl to him, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told everything Boaz had done for her, and she added, He gave me six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled. You can kind of start to hear some hope in Naomi's voice. We, you see, she realized when, when Ruth comes home from the fields... How was work today, kid? <laughs> and they have this conversation. 
And, Ru- and Ruth says, yeah, it went pretty well. And I was in the fields of a guy named Boaz. It's like Naomi's jaw hits the floor. Did you say Boaz? Like, d- he's related to us. He is, he's one of these guys who he could actually help us. If he is so kind and so willing, he could become our kinsman redeemer. Now, you can't really read the book of Ruth, as we're doing today, without understanding this concept. It's the Hebrew word goel. It's translated here in the NIV as kinsman redeemer. It is the relative closest to this person who was deceased, in this case Elimelech. And they were, if they were financially able and willing, they could legally reclaim the land and the family name for the widow. And so it just so happens that Boaz is one of those people in the life of Ruth and Naomi. And wouldn't you know it, based on this, this exchange we heard on the threshing floor, Ruth and Boaz fall in love. <laughs> they, the, the beautiful and loyal and hardworking Ruth is just a perfect match for the kind and generous Boaz. And so they want to marry each other. They want each other. But there is a big problem that Boaz had to, had to probably t- took a really hard gulp. I got to tell you something, Ruth. I'm not the nearest kinsman redeemer. There is one who is nearer than I. In other words, he's saying there's another guy who has first rights. And if he says yes, he gets the land, he redeems it, and you become his wife. <laughs> Like, if he says yes, this is going to happen. Can you imagine (laughs) what's going through Ruth's mind at this point? Can you imagine how Boaz is dealing with this situation? So let's continue on the final part and see what happens. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and he sat there. When the kinsman redeemer that he had mentioned came along, Boaz said, Come over here, my friend. Have a seat. So he went over and sat down. Boaz got ten of the elders of the town and asked them to sit down, and so they did. Then he said to the kinsman redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling a piece of the land that belonged to our brother Imelech. I thought I would bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of those seated here and the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But... If you do not, tell me, so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. Why, yes, I will redeem it. Well, on the day that you buy the land from Naomi and from Ruth the Moabite, you acquire the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. Uh, Well, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You, you redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the kinsman redeemer said Boaz should buy it, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that all have bought from Naomi and all the property of Imelech, Kiliam, and Moan. You have acquired Ruth the Moabite, <coughs> Moab's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead and his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from the town's records. 
Today, you are witnesses. Then the elders and all those at the gate said, We, we are, are witnesses. witnesses. And may the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. To the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. Then he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This, then, is the line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, Boaz was the father of Obed, Obed the father of Jesse, Jesse was the father of King David. Wow, what a story. Uh, let's, uh, let's give a round of applause for our uh, drama team, and you guys can have a seat. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. That, that's fine. Thank you. What happened here was this kinsman redeemer who was nearer than Boaz says, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> I'll go for it. Right? We, we heard Brian reading that on the end here like, sure, what, I, can, I can buy that. I got the cash flow. I'll, I'll take it before he even really hears all the details. <laughs> then after he understands a little more about it, see, he probably, I mean, he has his own wife. He has his own children and estate. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait a minute. That's going to negatively impact my family. So he changes his mind and opens the way for Boaz to step in to become the kinsman redeemer who marries Ruth, who carries on that family name. And then we see first came love, then came marriage, then comes Boaz pushing the baby carriage, little Obed, <laughs> and they live happily ever after. And then we know, and we saw there from the genealogy, this little boy and, the, and the, the enduring and final image from the book of Ruth is Obed, the little grandson, sitting and playing and cooing and giggling on the lap of Naomi, the grandmother who was so bitter. The Lord has been cruel to me. My life is over. Here she is with so much joy and so much hope in her little grandson, Obed, who is the grandfather of King David. And this is the family tree of Jesus. In fact, when you read through the family line of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, whose name do you see there but Ruth, the Moabitess? Ruth, this woman who went by faith saying, I'm going to put my hands into that of the living God. I'm going to put my life into his hands because I'm sick and tired of the gods of Moab. I'm going to go with Naomi, this woman who has nothing going for her because I see something and I want to care for her. This woman is mentioned in the scriptures in Matthew chapter 1. God redeemed Ruth's life so much. She was this destitute foreign immigrant widow and she is now a woman of honor. She has her own book in the Bible that we just read through in the book of Ruth. It is a model story of how God lovingly redeems each and every one of us. 
And I hope you didn't miss this as we talk about Boaz, the Goel, that Christ is our kinsman redeemer. That Christ is the one who draws near and who says, I'll pay. I'm the one. You, you are bought with a price. You are not your own. He is our kinsman redeemer. He paid the highest price with his shed blood. So let's go all the way back to where we started in the beginning with Proverbs 31, this description of the, the woman of noble character. And we heard that. It was in, I think, chapter 3, when Boaz is the one who says it, that you are this woman of noble character. And I say, Ruth? She doesn't really seem to fit the description of the woman of noble character from Proverbs chapter 31. She didn't spend her days making clothing for her husband. As it says, she had no husband. Well, she, he, she was a widow. Her husband had died. Her children didn't rise up and call her blessed, at least not for most of the story. She didn't have any kids. <laughs> she was childless. Again, at the point where Boaz says she is a woman of noble character, this is where we find her. She didn't spend her days exchanging fine linens and going to the merchants and keeping an immaculate home. She worked all day in the hot sun. She was dusty and sweaty. She, she didn't own anything. She had no name. She had no standing. And yet she is the woman of noble character. She is the Proverbs 31 woman. So if you don't feel like the Proverbs 31 woman, please know Ruth didn't either. And yet she's the only woman in scripture who's given that title and that connection. She lived her life. So the question is, why is she? the woman of noble character because she lived her life with incredible bravery with wisdom and insight with strength and so do the women in our lives so do our moms and our sisters our grandmothers they live this same way they they work tirelessly their concern is only for the well-being of others and they are fierce <laughs> in all they do Fierce in their tasks, fierce in their relationships. And they never give up. And they just press on. Even when things look bleak, they never give up. And it's not just because they're capable and they're strong. I want you to hear this this morning. It's because their strength comes from the Lord. This woman of noble character fears the Lord. In fact, I'll read for us in Proverbs 31, verse 25 this description of the woman where it says she is clothed with strength and dignity. And it says she can laugh at the days to come. <laughs> and so I hope you're beginning to see this morning as we've walked through the entire book of Ruth that this is not just a story. This is his story. This is the amazing story of God and his plan to redeem all of humanity. Through the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus Christ, fully God, yet fully man. Walked the same dust that we walked in. The same places that Ruth went in Bethlehem. Understands the same fears we feel. Entered into the same pain we experienced. Identified with us so completely. That he could redeem us from our sin. So the good news from Ephesians 1, 7 in him we have redemption in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of god's grace that have been lavished on us 
And so I want you to be encouraged today, moms. I want you to be encouraged today, any of you who feel like you're not measuring up and you're a failure. And Ruth, broken, poor, destitute, widowed, childless, going to a foreign land, but putting her hope in God and drawing her strength from him is a woman of noble character, is this woman of great strength. And as you trust in the Lord, as you fear the Lord, that's the way it's worded in Proverbs 31, you will be also. And so today, we do rise up to call you blessed. We do honor you. We thank the Lord for all he's done. We thank him first and foremost for Jesus Christ and redemption through his shed blood. We also thank the Lord for the special women that he has put in our lives. The ones that are so powerful and yet so gentle that God has used so greatly to impact us and to lead us right back to him as our good heavenly father and kinsman redeemer. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, our God, how thankful we are today for this good news that although we are a flawed and feeble and broken people, you've made a way for us back to you through your son, Jesus. And as Phil mentioned earlier today in the service, Lord, that, that the gospel is throughout your scriptures. That even in the Old Testament, every page whispers your name. So we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we also thank you for the women that you've put in our lives. The women who are so strong and brave and courageous. The women that so often feel like they don't measure up. And so, Lord, would you encourage them today? By your Holy Spirit, Lord, would you lift their spirits yet again and give us eyes to see the places where we can give pats on the back and a word of encouragement to say, thank you, Mom. Thank you, sister. Thank you, friend. You are a woman of noble character. You, like Ruth, are not afraid to step into the fields and do what needs done. And as you trust in the Lord, he directs your paths into just the right place. Will you trust him in God's perfect timing for your life? Lord, we thank you for the ways that you've used these women, and we pray your blessing on them today. And Lord, we love you, and thank you for your amazing love for us, your lavish love poured out. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.